Welcome to the party, pal. The Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. <laughs> live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com. And across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Hello, good morning to you. Oh, baby, welcome to Snowpocalypse 2023. Uh, is this part two? I think it is because part one happened last early January, February part of the winter. So this is Snowpocalypse part two <laughs> down here in the South Central area. <clears throat> I don't know what it's like up in Fairbanks, <clears throat> down on the Kenai a little bit, but holy buckets. Uh, it is uh, absolutely astounding. Um, got uh, probably six and a half inches of snow here at the house last night. I actually left Anchorage early yesterday in anticipation. I'm glad I did because apparently it was bumper to bumper, 35 miles an hour all the way home last night for most people. Um, and, uh, it was, uh, it, it was, it's brutal. It's brutal out there. Uh, they are recommending that if you can, uh, stay home that you do. And luckily, guess what? Yeah, baby, right here. I'm sticking around. I'm not going anywhere because holy cow, <clears throat> it is, uh, it is a snow day. Absolutely thick. Uh, they've closed the schools, both Matsu and the Anchorage school district have moved to remote learning. And, um, and, uh, <clears throat> and, and it's, uh, it's a good thing because, uh, they're predicting today up to 14 inches of snow in Anchorage. They already got 10 inches last night on the hillside. Uh, and out here in Wasilla, we probably saw between six and eight inches, depending on where you were at. Uh, the roads were, well, apparently they got them plowed as of, uh, there was an update on one of the Facebook groups for the Glen Highway about 5.15 this morning that said they do have them plowed, but now you have rain and mixture. It's like 33 degrees and snowing horrifically. Um, and so uh, it's, uh, <laughs> my son's going to hate me today. Here's your shovel. Have a good day. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. <laughs> anyway, uh, eight inches of snow on the Seward Meridian Highway, says Terry. Um, it's it's interesting. Um and, uh, well, then people are saying, I always went to school. Back when I was a kid, I used to have to go to school barefoot, in the snow, uphill, both ways. I mean, you know, I know. Come on. Um, anyway, it's uh, it's just one of those days. Heavy, heavy winter storm warning. So we're going to talk about that. I'll give you all the deets on it from across the state. Then uh, in uh, we're going to talk about <clears throat> David Boyle's latest article in uh, Must Read Alaska. Uh, he's talking about... Uh, uh, correspondence, homeschooling, and some of the statistics, which, which uh, I mean, are big, and I knew they were big. I just didn't realize how big. And so we're going to talk about that uh, this morning uh, as well. Governor Dunleavy has appointed uh, somebody to replace Josiah Patkatak uh, up in District 40 in Kotzebue. 
Uh, and we're, we're going to talk about the tale of a couple different, um, of a couple different news media outlets and how they handle it and the sneakiness as to how they handle it. That's what, that's what bugs me. You know, that's what bugs me these days. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. And then finally in hour two today, uh, I am super excited. Uh, and this is just for my own gratification more than anything else. Um, we're going to be joined by one of my all-time favorite authors, uh, Mark Tufo, who has written a variety of different books and series, fantasy, urban fantasy, apocalyptic, uh, post, you know, I mean, uh, he's the author of Indian Hill, uh, which is about an alien invasion. He's the author of Zombie Fallout, which is obviously about zombies. He's the author of Lycan Fallout, which is about werewolves. Um, the Whisperer series, which is alternate universes. And I mean, it's just... He writes so many good things, but the thing is, is that he's kind of an everyman writer and he has got just this amazing dialogue and character building. And it's literally one of my favorite. I just so happened that I just had finished re-listening over this last few months to uh, to many of the series. And I finally got to Indian Hill, which I hadn't listened to in in ever. And uh Finally just finished all the Indian Hill books, and uh, just it's it's going to be fun. I can't wait. I want to talk to him about where he came from and how he got into writing and how how this whole thing kind of tripped together and uh, the the work between he and his wife, Tracy, and, and it's going to be fun. So it's going to be it's it's going to be good. I'm looking looking forward to it in hour two. Author Mark Truf, uh, Tufo will be joining us to discuss his uh, his thing. So there you go. So, um, I guess first and foremost, uh, the National Weather Service has given us like the whole thing here. <clears throat> Blizzard warning in Valdez. They got 48 inches of snow in the pass. But let that sink in for just a minute. 48 inches of snow in Thompson Pass. Um, and according to, uh, what was it? Uh, according to uh, KTUU. Uh, 65 inches north of the pass at milepost 46. <laughs> it's just 48 inches of snow. Oh my gosh. Um, Cordova, 35 to 55 mile an hour winds gust up to 85. Um, uh, Valdez, of course, all that stuff. Winds gusting up to 45 uh, miles per hour. Uh, the Copper River Basin, uh, 10 to 16 inches of snow. Uh, Anchorage, they're expecting again f- up to 14 inches of snow. That was uh, this was from 6 p.m. last night. This was the latest National Weather Service update. And then they're also talking about the possible rain from snow melt. So you're going to get a ton of snow, then it's going to melt, then it's going to freeze, and then it's going to melt, and then it's going to freeze. It's it's going to be like an Olympic skating rink down there. I can tell you right now. Susitna Valley, one to two, one to three inches. Matsu, four to two to four. I well, I mean, I got six last night, so that's already blown that out. East uh, Turnigan, seven to ten inches. Uh, I mean, this whole map is full of red and pink and blue and purple squares that all means potentially slick, bad stuff. Stay home if you can. So. I mean, remote work is a thing for a reason, folks. I mean, I, you know, I know there's people out there like, well, when I was a kid, we never, they sent us to school in the blizzard and we just had to gut it out. Good for you. Uh, good for you. Uh, I'd rather work from here. Just, just saying. <laughs> just saying. I just, I'd rather work from here. That's, that works, uh, works for me. 
Uh, I just said I saw Bill said that they got a couple inches down on the uh, on the keen eye. Uh, and, uh, so it's, you know, the snow is hitting down there as well. Interior, probably not, uh, probably not, uh, 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 you know, too bad up there in the interior. Uh, Brian says, but I wonder about my office though. Hey, you know what? I left work undone on my desk yesterday that I now will not be able to do because it's undone on my desk and not on my desktop. So, Hey, I feel you. I feel you. I thought about it. I thought about driving in today. And then thought, you know, why? why? Why would I Why would I do that? Why would I do that? All schools are closed here today except for Homer. That's down on the peninsula as well. 35 and raining and snowing in the Kenai. Four inches on the ground. Thank you for the update from down there, Jeannie. I appreciate it. So anyway, it's winter. It finally hit. I guess this is what we get for doing the anti-snow dance for so long, right? I mean, I, I asked you guys to help me out and keep the anti-snow thoughts in your head. I just wanted there to be no snow till till uh, Halloween. Y'all helped me out. We had it. It was great. It was beautiful. And then pff, it dropped the hammer, right? Like the hammer of God. It comes down. And so uh, <clears throat> I guess that's what we get for putting it off a little bit. You know, it was all the buildup. And then pff, just dumps it out. Um, I'd do it all over again. I'm just saying I would do it all over again for just a few more days of you know, brownish, greenish, no snow. I'd, ju- I'd do it all over again. We're going to have to see. I know people that kept saying that this winter is going to be warmer and drier. And, you know, is, you know, it, uh, you can only hope. You can only hope that, that's, that this winter is going to be. Because last winter, whew, so I was reminiscing about how much snow and the fact that I was snowed in at the house for couple, three days. I mean, there was literally two and a half feet of snow in the cul-de-sac. We couldn't leave. We, I mean, not even with the Jeeps. We just, it was just like, nope, nope, not going to happen. Anyway, uh, so big snow, stay home, kids learning remotely from school today, all the other things. It's, that's, that's it. That is the big news for today. And uh, hopefully you're, hopefully you all got, uh, hopefully you all have got a pass. A pass for getting home. Um, and we'll we'll see we'll see what happens. Uh, okay, so um it's a pain to shovel. It is, it's heavy. I shoveled off the back porch this morning and I was like, this snow is heavy. Uh, and that was about enough work for me for the day. <laughs> Just the back porch. I mean, it's like four by three, right? I mean, that was that was enough. Okay, what else do we got going on here? Well, <clears throat> We've got the tale of several different. Um, we've got the tale of sef- several different news media outlets talking about um, the appointment uh, of Josiah Patkatak's replacement. Uh, Josiah, uh, of course, was elected last month to serve as the mayor of the North Slope Borough, and so it falls on the governor to appoint somebody else. Now, generally speaking. The governor is supposed to pick somebody from that that uh, representative's party, but since uh, Pat Kattak was an independent, he was not bound by that. He could choose anybody. He could choose independent. He could choose Republican. He could choose Democrat. It didn't matter. And uh, he has chosen <clears throat> Thomas Baker, who is a Republican from Kotzebue, 
Um, but I want to talk. <laughs> I want to talk about how this is portrayed by some of the media outlets because. I mean, the good old ADN, the good old Anchorage Daily News, they just, it's like they can't help themselves, right? It's just like they cannot help themselves. And then they're sneaky about it. Then they're a little bit deceptive about it. And we're going to talk about that here in just a moment. But we might as well go to break uh, so I don't, uh, don't want to get a whole full head of steam and then have to stop in the middle because I'm, you know, I'm a little uh, precocious that way. We're going to uh, continue here in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We'll return with more in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. Don't forget author Mark Tufo. Have I not said that enough yet? Author Mark Tufo will be joining us in hour two. I might be a little bit excited about it. Back with more right after this. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, um, we are in the break. Uh, let me uh, come on. Right there. Okay. Sorry. I was, uh, I forgot to put a timer up on the window and I had to roughing, roughly run over there and get it done. So good morning, my friends. How are you? <laughs> Terry's like, never again. Never again will I go in with you and do an anti-snow dance. Never again. Come on. You know it's fun. Jeannie says, I just have to ask, are you excited about your guest today? Maybe. Maybe. Well, you know, they say never meet your heroes. Um, all right. Let's see. <clears throat> uh, where are the snow plows in Kenai, says Cynthia. Makes me so mad. They knew we were going to get dumped on, so why aren't they out plowing? Well, that's a good question. That's a that's a good question. Um, those books, says Denise. What ages are they appropriate for? Mm, adult. I mean... It, there's no, not like there's sexual content or anything, but it, it, you know, most of them deal with a zombie apocalypse or an alien invasion or something along that line. So it's going to be, you know, and there's some, and there's language, there's, there's language in them. Uh, so I guess I would say adult, young adult. I don't know. I was reading books like that when I was in my late teens. So your mileage may vary. Uh, nothing like, like I tell my wife, nothing like clean, good old fashioned violence. Um, all right. Cranky, cranky. Uh, okay. There you go. Um, I'm scrolling backwards for the moment. Snow is stopped for the moment. The problem isn't the weather, says Jerrica. It's the people. Jerrica said, we never had snow days when I was in school. 
I'm sick of hearing the term snow day. Jerrica's a little salty this morning. I don't know why, just, you know. Hey, you know what? Feel good about playing hooky. What are you going to do? Uh, Melody says she loves my donut shirt. Well, this is my, this is my King's donut shirt. This is my King's donut. Cindy over there at King's gave it to me. Uh, they make some amazing, they make some amazing donuts over at King's. Absolutely delicious. Donut King in Wasilla, home to some of America's best donuts, just keeps getting better. They're proud to announce the return of their head donut baker, Jared, whose sole purpose at Donut King is making donuts great again. Veteran-owned and operated, making more than 70 varieties of handmade, hand-iced donuts fresh every day. And don't forget to stop in and get a King's Dozen for work or for your special event. Donut? See what I did... Donut King, making donuts great again. 490 North Main in Wasilla, or find them on Facebook. Yeah, they do good work. They do good work. Oh, Barbara. Barbara's got jokes this morning. <laughs> well, most books have language, except picture books. I should have said, not safe for work language, Barbara. You know, I had to... <laughs> Mark is a former Marine, all right? So just keep that in mind when you're looking at this. Former Marines are not known for their, uh, are not known uh, for the, the cleanliness of their language for the most part, uh, especially rank and file Marines, okay? So just throwing that out there. Diddy says, I'm just going to pull out the Christmas stuff. Don't you dare, says Terry. You'll get more snow. I don't know. At least she didn't pull out the Christmas stuff the 1st of October. Right. My wife said, she said, I went to Michael's to pick up some stuff. And uh, it was this was back in late August. And she said their their Halloween stuff is up. I'm like, oh, OK. She goes, I want to buy a few things. I'm like, great. She goes back the first week of October. She goes, all the Halloween stuff is gone. And now it's now it's Christmas stuff. <laughs> oh, man, it's uh, it's crazy. All right. <clears throat> oh, man, Barbara. Banal and dross verbiage choices. I'm sorry that we plebeians are entertained by sudden... No, it's fine. Barbara's got jokes this morning. All right, uh, at least we don't have any Folgers in the mix, right? Let's get it going on. Here we go. Public anima number one. Oh, wait, sorry. Uh, enemy. Public enemy number one, which... That makes more sense. On the other hand, he's a little bit of a pain in the uh, Michael Duke show. Yes, I am. I'm a pain in your whatever. I make a professional living doing that. All right. Um, yeah. Kids that are homeschooled don't have to worry about snow days since they're already home doing schoolwork. Good for you. Good for you. That's how it should work around here. All right. Well, let's uh, continue here. We were talking about the governor um, who uh, has appointed now. A replacement for Josiah Pakatek. Um, I find it interesting uh, the, the different coverages that you're seeing from around the state. Oh, I didn't look at the. Uh, I should look at the uh, Alaska Beacon just to make sure that I have all of them in front of me uh, to see what the what the different stories are. Okay, so here's here's the headlines to the different stories. You ready? Alaska Beacon. Governor Dunleavy appoints new representative to House District 40. Okay. That's good. 
KTUU, Alaska governor appoints Republican Thomas Baker to vacant state seat, state house seat. Okay, that's good. Um, must read Alaska. Governor Davlini appoints Thomas Baker of Kotzebue to far north district 40 house seat. Okay, that sounds reasonable. Anchorage Daily News. Dunleavy selects Republican son of lobbyist to replace departing independent housemaker. House lawmaker. I mean, what? The indi- So then you click on the story. This is classic. So you click on the story by Iris Samuels, Samuels in the ADN. The headline again on the front page reads, Dunleavy selects Republican son of lobbyist to replace departing independent house lawmaker. Well, that just sounds like there's somebody, there's got to be. Then you get to the actual article when you click through and it says, Dunleavy selects Republican to succeed outgoing independent member of Alaska House. Who is, who, what? I mean, this kind of salacious, you know, uh, this innuendo, you know, headline by innuendo, selects son of lobbyist, lobbyist. To replace departing independent House members. Oh, so bad. And then you click through and it's something totally different. This is just, this is why you can't trust the ADN. I mean, you know, well, I mean, a lot of me, even the Alaska Beacon, Claire Strample, the Alaska Beacon, which really doesn't make any secrets about its kind of left-leaning tendencies, Governor Dunleavy appoints new representative to House District 40. Probably the most innocuous headline of all the headlines that were out there today and I've just, I mean, I'm just, a, I'm a little mind blown by it, quite honestly. I'm uh, just a little bit, I'm a little peeved by it. That this is, this is kind of, this is the paper of record. Which, by the way, gets about half of its stuff from the Alaska Beacon these days. So I don't know exactly how, you know, great they are. Um, but uh, anyway, it, uh, it, 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 it goes on here. So Governor Dunleavy has now appointed Thomas Baker, Republican from Kotzebue, to replace Josiah Patkatak. Again, Patkatak was elected uh, to serve as the North Slope Borough Mayor. Um, the district, which is a home to some 18,000 people, is roughly 135,000 square miles and stretches from Kotzebue all the way to the Canadian border, which, according to the ADN, makes it larger than all but four states in the union. (laughs) Baker's goal in the legislatures is to advocate for a full statutory PFD for the people, responsible resource development, tackling rural issues such as power cost equalization, and to lower the cost of living, he said in a brief phone interview with ADN on Wednesday. Now, they go on to tell you how it's just not possible that we could absolutely have a PFD that the current statute is just unsustainable. And most lawmakers who already know better do not advocate for a full statutory PFD. It's just, oh, this poor, poor child. He just doesn't understand. The size of the dividend is a key issue that dominated legislative sessions for more than five years. A member of the 40th House District belongs to the powerful Bush caucus which represents communities in rural Alaska. In recent years, the caucus has played a key role in determining control of the House amid deep divisions between Republicans who hold a majority of seats in the chamber. Um, And it's the Bush caucus that allows the majority to form because they got the Bush caucus folks to jump on board. And that's the ultimate, that's ultimately what's caused to form the House majority. 
Baker has not previously served in the legislature. He did run for state Senate back in 2020 against Donnie Olson, but only got about 35% of the vote. He's a construction operations manager for Kikaktaruk Inupiat Corporation and chairs the regional advisory board for the federal subsistence board. He served on the Kotzebue City Council and the Tribal Council, and he holds a bachelor's degree in English from Dartmouth College. And then they get into uh, Baker is the son of Andy Baker, who's a registered state lobbyist. According to the state directory, he's lobbied this year for the Yukon Koyukuk School District, the city of Kayana, and Peltola Solutions, LLC, a consulting firm founded by Buzzy Peltola. Uh, in previous years, Andy Baker has lobbied for the North Slope Borough and the Northwest Arctic Borough, among other clients. He's also a supporter of Dunleavy, having contributed $5,000 to his re-election campaign. How dare he advocate for all of these rural community organizations and school districts and everything else? Evil lobbyists. And then he gives money to Dunleavy. I think that was really the slap in the face, was that he gave $5,000 to Dunleavy's re-election campaign. And that was enough to send whoever it was at the ADN over the edge to then paint them as the, you know, if he'd probably given $5,000 to, you know, whoever, um, you know, Al Gross or I mean, whoever else he wanted to give it to, that probably would have been just fine. Probably wouldn't even have been in the faux headline. Um, <clears throat> um, David uh, Thomas Baker's comment to his father's uh, about his father was my father is my father, and I don't really have anything to say on what he does for work. I know in the past he's been a registered lobbyist. I don't know what his status is at the moment. We're family, but the role comes first, so all measures will be taken to, sure, to be sure that there's no violations of conducts or ethics or anything. So now it goes to a confirmation vote uh, in front of the House majority. So the House majority will have a say on this. That was a law that KTUU mentioned was uh, put into place uh, under a 2020 ballot measure. Provisions of law dealing with legislative vacancies were tweaked under the 2020 ballot measure. Ballot measure number two, about dark money. Scott Kendall, an attorney at the, and the author of that measure, said confirmation should be voted on by members of the House Majority Caucus, regardless of party. So, we'll... <clears throat> We'll we'll see what we'll see what happens with that. I mean, uh, great. I man, I hope it works out. I hope it's all good. But again, the thing that just gets me is you read the headline on the front page of the ADN's website, and then you read the headline of the actual article once you get there, and you're like, wait, didn't I just read that this was? Maybe it's a little. I may be overreacting. I'd be the first to admit that I might actually be overreacting a little bit on this. Okay, I admit it. But I just get so agitated with that kind of bait and switch stuff where they show you one thing on the one hand, which very much looks like um, they're trying to say something with a headline. Like they're saying the, it, it, it implies, right? It's, it, it's an implication. And they'll be like, oh, you're just misreading it. Okay. Dunleavy selects Republican son of lobbyist to replace departing independent housemaker. And then you click on the article and it says nothing about that in the headlines at all. And every other headline is just about the, you know, that he's uh, that he's a Republican or that he just is a new guy. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you guys in the chat room or, you know, can tell me if you think I'm wrong, you think I'm overblowing this. But I just again, it proves to me time and time and time again 
how the folks over there at the ADN just, they love to tweak that truth. They love to tweak that narrative. And it's really, it's really irritating to me. It just, again, it just, it just chaps my backside. All right. Uh, so we're going to be, uh, <laughs> we're going to be continuing on that. Um, you know, it, it's, it's good stuff. All right. Well, let's go on to the, um, let's go on to the, uh, other big story that, uh, we're going to get started on here that I wanted to talk about. Did I hit everything else? I think I did. Um, yep, that was it. That was it. That was it. Okay. Yeah. David Boyle has got a new story over in the, in must read. Um, David Boyle is, uh, uh, a writer. He's an education, uh, advocate. Uh, he's been on the program several times to discuss, uh, issues about education. He's been following these things for many years and, he has written a new piece about the connection between COVID and the fact that many families, including um, Alaska, have uh, flocked to homeschooling and correspondence schooling since the advent of the pandemic. And for for really for good reason. Um, I threw him an invite this morning. If he wanted to come on and talk about this, he can. Um, if not, that's uh, OK uh, as well. But uh, this is a great this is a great article because it highlights a lot of the things that I've been talking about um, in education and about what's uh, what's happened since COVID. Kind of the eye opening aha moment for many parents during COVID when they discovered that, well, maybe the school district wasn't all about the children, right? That maybe it was more about some of their political power. Or, you know, in the case of places like California and things like that, where they said they would not reopen schools unless they got some of their social justice measures in, you know, put together. And uh, Randy Weingarten, the head of the NEA, was talking about how we're killing our teachers by forcing them to go. This is a year and a half after the pandemic started killing our teachers by forcing them to go back to school and all this other kind of stuff. I mean, just this nonsense. Um, and a lot of parents discovered that. Well, it it really homeschooling or correspondence schooling or learning pods or teacher share programs or whatever it is, whatever kind of different thing that they did was not as bad as they were told. They were told it would be way too tough for them, that they were way too stupid to be able to teach their own children. Just like that guy who said, I mean, it was easier to get a gun than it was to get a library book. And then people tried to get a gun during the pandemic and they discovered that that was a lie. I mean, you know, shocking. I know. So anyway, David Boyle uh, goes in on this and starts talking about <clears throat> and starts talking about it. And he says, you know, this is the one this is uh, one of the good thing that came out of the pandemic. Uh, I agree. I've often said that there are a couple silver linings out of the pandemic. One, obviously, was the interest in homeschooling and the eye opening moment of realizing that the school system was not the end all be all of teaching your children's education. The second was, of course, the advent of more remote work and how that has really changed the face of of working. I mean, which is good for us today with all the snow and everything. Right. I mean, that's a good thing. Um, but David goes on to say parents were basically left to their own devices when school doors were closed and kids were shut out. Students fell way behind academically. In fact, they said that it was probably the greatest learning loss 
in at least a generation, if not two generations. I mean, that's how much of a learning loss it was um, for those kids. Parents were disappointed, disgusted, and just plain angry when they noticed that the public schools were pushing inappropriate education, sex education, down to the lower elementary school children, hiding gender identity, transgenderism from parents, allowing pornographic books to elementary schools, and pushing political philosophies in the classroom. And a lot of that came out of parents all of a sudden realizing when schools did go to remote learning— um, instead of a homeschooling thing and this, and they started looking at some, they were actually seeing some of the materials and some of the course stuff and everything else. And they were like, uh, what, what, what do you, what do you do? So that prompted a lot of parents to get engaged and to do their own thing and taking the task of teaching their kids onto themselves, which is where it should have been to begin with, in my opinion. The Washington Post recently published an article titled Homeschooling is the Fastest Growing Form of Education, where it cited that homeschooling surged by 45% from the 2017-18 school year to the 2022-23 school year. 45%. But in that Washington Post article, they only looked at the data from 32 states and the District of Columbia. They did not look at data from Alaska where homeschooling has been growing by leaps and bounds for for years, years. Since the pandemic, the number of students grew from 12,500 to a whopping 18,900, almost 19,000 in Alaska's 12 largest homeschool programs. And those are just the students who are actually in a homeschool program. It doesn't talk about self-guided. It doesn't talk about pandemic pods. Or These are just the 12 systems that take state money. Okay, I want to be clear on that. There are plenty of ways to homeschool your kids that doesn't involve the government or school funding or anything else that you can do all by yourself. This is an increase of 52% from the pre-pandemic school year and uh, from, you know, 19, uh, 2019 to 2020. Um, they are just an increase. I mean, that's astonishing. 52% increase in homeschooling pre-COVID to post-COVID. And uh, he goes on to talk about the funding and how a lot of the state correspondence students receive nearly a maximum, almost 90 percent of what the usual student allotment is, um, which is about five thousand dollars. And you ask, well, yeah, but wait, why do we spend almost eighteen thousand dollars? Because only five thousand of it goes to the kids and the actual education. The rest of it is overhead and maintenance and, and salaries and, and administration. And yes, two thirds to three quarters of it goes to somebody else. Um, and, uh, he goes on to talk about the different, uh, student populations and everything else. I remember when, when idea, I was living in Fairbanks when the idea program broke 3000 students and that was a big deal to get 3000 students in the homeschooling system. Today, they're at 7,300. So that was 10 years ago. Today they're at 7,300 and there's a whole lot of different, uh, students out there. Uh, and IDEA does it for less than anybody else. Um, IDEA has the most students. Uh, the next one would be Raven, and that only has just over 3,000 students. And yet you look at the costs and how much it costs, the per student cost for IDEA is 4,512. Whereas you go to Matsu Central, which is their own homeschooling, 
That's almost $8,000. Family partnership is $10,500. Um, anyway, you could go through this article and talk a lot about it. It's got a lot of great stuff in it. And uh, we might pick uh, we may pick some of these things apart here as uh, as as we go through that as well. Uh, we're going to continue in just a moment. We will be back. The Michael Duke Show. Mark Tufo going to be joining us in hour two. I can't wait. Back with more right after this. You're cooking with gas. The Michael Duke Show. Okay. Does IDEA have to disclose financials? Yes, because they are IDEA, the Interior Distance Education Association, is part of the Galena City School District. Um, it's an offshoot of the Galena City School District. So it is a governmental agency, essentially. Uh, so, yes, they have to have they have to disclose their financials. Timothy says it's an echo chamber this morning. His folders on a timeout. Well, not officially. I mean, he he got he got the he got the warning. He got warning number one yesterday. Well, one and only. So he's not on a timeout unless it's self-imposed today. Uh, Terry says, since my grand, uh, I'm assuming my grandchild, started a homeschooling, she is excited and thriving in all her subjects. So nice to see her smile again. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Denise says uh, he, uh, that she loves IDEA. We use them overseas as a military family. That's fantastic. That really is. And I knew that they did that, that they worked with military families overseas, especially families, you know, once you said you were coming back and everything else. That is, that's amazing. Super excited about that. So that should be, uh, that should be a good time for sure. But yeah, I mean, that was one of the, again, one of the most brilliant things. I mean, the pandemic was a lot of stuff, right? I mean, there's a lot of things in it, all that other things, but the silver lining, um, I think the two silver linings that came out of that was the discovery by many parents that, wait, we can school our own kids? We can do this? It's not as hard as you told us it was? We thought this was supposed to be hard. You know, you said we weren't smart enough to do this. And all of a sudden they figured out that, yeah, they probably were smart enough. To, again, it's the whole thing of, you know, it's easier to get a gun than it is to get a library book. Until, of course, they went to try and get a gun and figured out that, you know, fingerprints, 10-day waiting period, 53 reams of forms and approval of the government. And they went, wait, that's not... What? How does that work? I don't understand. Uh, same kind of thing. All of a sudden, people discovered that it wasn't that hard. And in fact, in many cases, it was better for their students, for their children. Again, this is, you know, folks, this is the politician's disease or the bureaucrat's disease. You know, somehow we know better than you how you should run your life. You know, whether it's we know better than you, dot, dot, dot. How you should run your life, how you should spend your money, how you should raise your children, how you should, you know. Instead, people should be taking personal responsibility and doing those things for themselves. Uh, I'm just I'm just saying. 
Just throwing that out there. Maybe you want to do those things for yourself. Um, <laughs> Anthony says, putting your kids in public school is akin to owning a classic car and leaving it at a demolition derby and acting surprised when you get it back covered in dents with the engine blown out. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly it, right? I mean, anybody who's a student of history understands that, you know, don't be surprised when you send your children to Rome and they return as Romans. That's, I mean, that's, that's pretty much it right there. And sure, there's tons of parents who are not taking, uh, who are not taking, uh, you know, an interest or direct interest in what their kids are learning. I mean, they're using the school system as a glorified babysitter. I mean, you get out of it what you put into it. There are some parents who are doing, you know, they're engaged, they're doing well, their kids are probably doing well. But, you know, probably the average person is just struggling to, you know, make sure they got three hots and a cot and they're, you know, making sure everybody's got what they need. And so maybe they're not paying that close of attention. And all of a sudden when homes, when uh, the pandemic happened and schools closed and everybody went to the remote learning thing and all of a sudden the parents were looking at what their kids were learning as they looked over their children's shoulder and they went, what? And I mean, you know, that was that was the moment that a lot of people made the decision that maybe they could do something different. I mean, this is, it's, it's good. It's good. All right. We are about uh, just over a minute out of the break, getting ready to rejoin the radio here in a minute. We've got one final segment and then oh, we get a chance to talk to Mark too. Oh, I'm so excited about this. Um, I've uh, been, uh, been looking forward to this all week long. Uh, and I'm get to see, and Mark's actually Mark. I just looked down. Mark's in the green room already. What? I mean, he's an early bird getting the worm this morning. Uh, you can't see him, but I can. Mark is down there in the bottom. I mean, I may just throw everything else to the curb and just pick it up with Mark here. We're going to do the whole next hour. We may get to go early here in just a second. Um, because you know, why not? I, uh, I'm, I've been looking forward to this for a while. Uh, I've been following Mark's work since there were only, uh, I want to say three books published. I think three, the first three zombie fallout books, I think was when I first discovered him and, uh, I've been loving it ever since. Um, so maybe we'll just, uh, maybe we'll just jettison the rest of whatever I was going to talk about for the next segment and we'll just get started here. How about that? Um, I don't have enough time to test his audio before we do it. So we're just going to, we're just going to F it. We're going to do it live. All right. You ready? Here we go. The Michael Duke show, common sense, liberty-based free thinking radio, like share, follow, do all the YouTube and Facebook stuff that you want. And don't forget to tell your friends about it being on regular old terrestrial radio. Let's do this thing. Here we go. Public anima number one. Oh, wait, sorry. Uh, enemy. Public enemy number one, which makes more sense. On the other hand, he's a little bit of a pain in the uh, Michael Duke show. I am not. I'm a perfect angel. Just ask my dad or my mom, who are in the chat room today, watching the whole thing here, uh, doing it with us today. Every morning, the Michael Duke show broadcasting live across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite station and or FM translator and of course live around the world on the internet on the audio only live stream at michaeldukeshow.com 
and on Facebook and YouTube and Twitch and anything else, wherever else we can plug the cords in. That's where we're going to send the show each and every morning. Um, I was going to continue on my little rant about uh, schooling and things like that. But uh, lo and behold, my guest has showed up a little bit early. And who am I to look a gift horse in the mouth? At this point, we're going to get things uh, squared away and we're going to jump over. Mark Tufo uh, is uh, in the green room, so let's uh, get things set up and bring him on board. And uh, fingers crossed that uh, all the audio and everything else is working here. Uh, we're going to jump in and talk with him. Oh, see, there we go. Look at that. Mark Tufo joins us this morning. He is the author of uh, five, six different series of books, uh, dozens of uh, dozens of titles, uh, one of my favorite authors uh, for many reasons, and he joins us this morning to discuss a little bit uh, a little bit of everything. And of course, in his time zone, he was told there would be beer. Um, I'm going to have to dig one up. There was virtual donuts in the green room, Mark. Did you miss that? There were virtual donuts. I didn't see those either. They looked like someone took a bite out of every one of them. Well, I they had to be taste tested. I mean, you have to make sure that they're not poisoned. Did you did your father never do that to you? I mean, come on, just making sure that that's not poisoned there. You know what I mean? Um, so welcome to the program, my friend, and I really appreciate you uh, coming on board and joining us. Um, I have, like I said earlier, just a little bit of uh, of take a little bit of setup here, but I discovered your books probably twenty. Oh, must have been 2015, 2016, something like that. Um, and I think at that time you had only uh, published, I think, maybe three or four of the Fallout, zombie Fallout novels. Mark has a variety. He's got a writing style that kind of covers a bunch of different genres. So you got some fantasy. You've got some uh, post-apocalyptic stuff. You've got some science fiction, alien invasion. You've got kind of a mishmash of all. You've got alternate universes. And it's all different kinds of stuff. Um, and what I really loved about this was just kind of the tone of the whole book and the and the character development and everything else. So first and foremost, Mark, uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself. I mean, where you came from, uh, you know, originally and uh, I mean, you know, how how you got kind of started in this whole thing. Uh, originally, well, first off, thank you for having me on your show. I appreciate it. Hey, no problem. Uh, originally from Boston, if you couldn't tell the, (laughs) the sarcasm, the sarcasm will teach us it here in just a minute. It'll be fine. (laughs) Um, how I got started. So, um, God, you know, I, I grew up blue collar, worked in the blue collar field most of my life. Um, then went back to school, got one of those cushy, uh, white college. Uh, we just lost the internet there, either on my end or on his end, one uh, one end or the other. We just lost Mark. He's in. Uh, you were in a half blink there, Mark. You said you then you were headed off to college. I'm sorry. There, go ahead. Yeah, uh, no worries. Um, sorry. I'm. You'll see boxes in my office. I'm in the middle of cleaning, but uh, I'm loving it. Don't day. Hey, don't bother me. I'm. I'm loving it. Don't worry about it. Okay, and uh, so I got one of me one of those cushy white collar jobs. Went back to school, and then found out that. You get laid off a lot in those cushy white collar jobs, and um, during one of those times, I uh, God, I'm all whitewashed, honey. I, any, <laughs> I tend to ramble if you haven't you, noticed. No, you're fine. You're but, fine. And then um, I I got laid off, and I couldn't sleep. I had severe bout of bout of insomnia, and I was reading a ton. And I uh, just finished a zombie novel, as a matter of fact, and I came downstairs 
after reading it and my wife was getting ready to go to work and uh I was like, oh, I just read this good book. And I was just kidding because I never considered myself a writer. And I was like, I, but I think I could do better. And she literally, I, she probably was half asleep, but she's like, so then why don't you? So I was like, oh, well, I guess I could. Challenge so then accepted. That was, Challenge that, accepted. Uh, that was the birth of Zombie Fallout 1. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting, you know, because I know that that may not be some people's cup of tea, uh, you know, z- zombie books, apocalypse books, you know, whatever post, you know, sign. And that's fine. Uh, you know, for me, uh, sometimes, you know, it, I get that feeling of I just want to I want to do a little escaping, you know, and that's it. it it's not like Mark is writing, uh, you know, the next Wuthering Heights, uh, but they are good stories, character driven, fantastic dialogue. And, uh, and that's what I love about it. Now, you were again. You were working in uh, of all things uh, HR, which I can't. After reading, well, I didn't find that out for after it was a while before I found that out about you. I'd been reading the books, and you know, uh, here's Mark Tufo, former Marine, you know, doing this thing, and you know, rough and tumble, and and all this stuff, and and of course, your books contain some adult language and some other things, and I'm like, oh, this guy is in HR. I mean, with the sarcasm, I mean, he's injected with the sarcasm, you know, uh, affliction from from Boston, and he's in HR. I mean, that was an amazing thing. I mean, how. I couldn't even survive as a cubicle, you know, whack-a-mole cubicle gopher out there. Uh, yeah, HR was the worst placement ever, probably. You know, um, boy, it, it's hard. You, you, it, it wasn't a direct transition, Marine Corps to HR. But, you know, in the Marine Corps, there is no PC. There's no filter. You can say and do pretty much whatever you so desire. And then you get to HR, and it's so vanilla. I mean, you're like, Hello, Rebecca. How is your day? You know, I mean, you, you yeah. don't want to do anything more than that, you know? Yeah, it's not like it's it's good to see you. Why is it good to see me? Oh, I'm sorry. I like your hair. Why do you like my hair? Oh, my God. Okay. I mean, yeah. just, you know, I could just imagine having to rein yourself in eight hours a day and not be yourself uh, because I see a lot of that. We're going to talk about this in a minute, but I see a lot of uh, – of yourself and your family and your your friends and everybody else coming through in these books. And I just can't imagine, well, your main character, Michael Talbot, I can't, which is Mark Tufo, Michael Talbot. I don't know. Maybe there's a crossover there. But I can't, I just can't imagine him reining himself in for eight hours a day trying to play the PC game. What a, what a, uh, what a mess. Yeah, I, I cannot tell you how happy I am. I am not in Cube City anymore. Uh, no, nobody wants to be my Cube neighbor, you know? It, I, I can see that. Nobody wants to be my Cube neighbor either. Trust me, they don't even want to be. They gave me my own office at one point and said, just stay in there. Okay, fine. Good. Y'all leave me alone. I'm going to do my own thing. Keep the door uh, shut, please. Yeah, exactly. Um, and now you were in college when you first do it, started doing some writing and, uh, I'll be honest with you. I, I watched a podcast that you were on, uh, recently, um, because, and I got a lot of this backstory that I didn't know that I had never, you know, and I always find it fascinating when I interview people, uh, especially creatives, you know, writers and, um, you know, actors, voice actors, that kind of stuff. Uh, because I'm a, I'm a, I do the radio obviously, but I'm also a voice actor. So there's a creative thing in there for me. And I, and I love that. And I love to see where people came from and what made them kind of overcome, uh, you know, everything and how they got to where they were at. Uh, but initially, you know, again, being in this blue collar thing, you weren't planning on being a writer, right? This was just kind of an, uh, this is just kind of an offshoot. 
and we got about 60 seconds here before we hit the break. So you know, give me, just give us a tease and we'll take this up on the other side. Yeah. I mean, um, honestly, it was an exercise in insomnia, trying to get some sleep, um, get some of the frustration and, you know, fear probably from being unemployed and getting that out, you know, so I kind of tapped into those juices who knew it was actually ever going to, uh, catch on. Certainly not me. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's one of those things where you're like, wait, is it, did you really like it? You, you liked it. That's surprising. I did it for me more than anything else. Right. Uh, we're going to walk through all that part. We're going to walk through the beginning. We're going to walk through characters. We're going to walk through audio. We're going to talk about all that stuff. Mark Tufo is our guest. I'm a little giddy. You'll have to pardon me if I fanboy a little bit here. Like I said, Mark is one of my favorite authors. So we're going to be back with more. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense. Liberty-based. Free-thinking radio. Back with more. And Mark Tufo after this. All right, we're at the top of the hour now, so they got news and everything else, and then we're going to rejoin for hour two and get ready to do it. So, Mark, I didn't really explain it to you, but I simulcast the entire show on the Internet, and so we have commercial breaks and top-of-the-hour breaks and everything else, and then they pick it up on the radio. So right now we're in the top-of-the-hour break for the radio stations across the state, and uh, we're doing that stuff. I just want to say thank you uh, for for coming on board. You know, when I send, I've sent out emails to a couple other authors that I really like, and you'd never get anything back. You know, it's like, you know, I know they're busy and they got a lot of stuff. And I'm just this little podunk radio show in Alaska that, you know, nobody gives two craps about. Uh, and so when I sent that uh, message to you, I was like, well, it'll be interesting to see. And boom, I mean, the next day I, got, I had the response. And I really appreciate you uh, reaching back out uh, because it, uh, you know, it's gratifying to to see somebody like you who've done who's done what you've done and uh, and pull forward. Now, I need to talk to you about your wall, your wall of i mean that is like my kids and myself i mean i'm a nerd i'm a big nerd uh would just love all that i mean i see you get your full size r2d2 and then you got another one and i see several more and uh i mean just tell us about what you got there behind you what 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 are all the what's all the stuff your most prized uh, possession uh, so that's some legos right there there's a uh, some nfl stuff whole bunch of star wars stuff right there uh i don't think you, oh you can't see frankenstein he's cool right up there i see the hands yeah i see all the, the way all the way up those are my books um and then the ones with the alternate uh covers and stuff like that yeah uh, the street signs where i grew up right there oh great oh that's... i'm a giant fan so and you're a Giants fan. Yeah. That place, you know, that it's interesting because I have, it's funny. I have zero interest in sports. Uh, it's just, it's, I, mean, I was born and raised in the middle of Alaska. You know, we didn't really have, you know, we don't have a teams. We don't have all that kind of stuff. And sports was, I played a little hockey in college, but you know, other than that, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not really a sports guy. And uh, it's funny that you, uh, that there was this constant thing in your, in your, uh, uh, especially in the early days of the books or the early days of your characters where they're like, oh, yeah, I'm a Red Sox fan and you wore a Yankees hat? I mean, that's like death. That's like, you know, the Crips and the Bloods. You just walked into the wrong territory kind of thing. It's amazing. How, how big a thing, how big a, a, a impact did sports have on your life growing up? I mean, with your dad and your your family and everything else, is that a huge thing that kind of pulls it all together? 
Um, my mom was actually a huge Red Sox fan, and I was very happy she actually got to see them win a World Series uh, before she passed. Um, but yeah, I mean, I grew up in Boston, eight, you know, and that was the the lean years, you know, and uh, live, breathe, eat, bleed uh, Red Sox. Yeah, and and to see a Yankees hat, especially in Boston, that those were fighting words, you know. Yeah, no, it's it's amazing how people get, you know, it's like the Ford Chevy debate. Everybody gets into a fist fight over the Ford Chevy debate. And I'm just like, I again, it's not something that I can necessarily rationally understand, but I love to see that kind of continuity in everything that you talk about. And of course, you know, you have a love of Boston, but now, surprisingly, you live in Maine uh, instead of Boston. And I know Maine features prominently into some of your other books. Is that something that happened when you were younger or as a as an adult? Well, I um you know, I was in the core, so I was out in Hawaii for a few years. I know, brutal, brutal. So that's a, somebody, that's, somebody had to do it. That's a tough duty somebody station. Had. I got to tell you, oorah, that's a tough duty station right there, baby. So then, uh, you know, moved back to Colorado. I uh, love Colorado, lived there for a long time. And then, you know, one day I, I just kind of uh, looked at my wife and I was like, you know, I have been away from the East Coast longer than I lived there. And that was a realization that hit, you know, I, I you know, I saw my family from time to time, but not much. And I was like, you know, I folks are getting older. I, I kind of like to spend some time. So by that time, my dad had bought a cabin up in Maine um, with some land. And so we decided to move up here. That was what? Holy crap. That was 10, 12. Oh, my gosh. 12 years ago. <laughs> that was a big change. And again, coming from Colorado, even it's uh, I mean, that's a you know, that's got to be a, a huge change uh, as well. Coming from Colorado back, although you'd been to the East Coast before uh, and lived there, obviously born and raised there. But uh, it, it obviously has to be a big jump. Um, and sometimes we make those choices. You know, I arbitrarily decided to move from the interior of Alaska down towards the coast, um, which is a 400 mile journey, right? I mean, it's a, for, the state's huge, right? You know, so I yeah, moved from one yeah. city to another and it's a 400 mile trip. Um, but it was also the best thing I ever did, uh, you know, as far as for my life, for my career, for everything else. And so it's good that we make those choices uh, as we, as we go on. And your wife, Tracy, we're going to talk about this in a little bit, but she is a, just an integral part of everything you do. Yeah. I mean, if, if not for her, uh, I, obviously, I would have never started writing, uh, would have never got published. I just, she, she's the whole business side of the um, the equation. Yeah. Which, I, you know, I, I've got, go, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I've got some author friends that they do everything. They do the writing, all the business aspect of it. And I was like, there's, there's no way I could do it. I just wouldn't have enough time in the day and I wouldn't do it right. You know? Well, that's true. I mean, there's a lot that goes into you know, marketing, Facebook marketing, connections, networking, publishing, getting the, you know, getting the uh, the editors and the copy, you know, proofers and all that other kind of stuff. There's a lot of work outside of the actual writing for sure. And uh, it's good to see that you could focus on what's important from, from my perspective. And that is the creative. I want you to keep creating. Just keep going, my friend. Just keep going. All right. Mark, Mark Tufo is our guest. Uh, he's an author. You can find him at marktufo.com. He's also on Facebook, which I'll post here in a few minutes as well. But we're about to rejoin the radio. So let's get back to it. Here we go. Hour two is right now. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty Base, Free Thinking Radio. Here we go. 
Buddy, put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukeshow.com, where you'll find links to everything, including the audio-only live stream, links to the podcast, which you can find on Spotify and other places, and, of course, uh, simulcast ports on uh, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Also broadcasting live across the... uh, Across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Yes, I refreshed my window during the uh, start of the show there, and Mark all of a sudden became the host for a minute. It was pretty awesome. It was pretty awesome. Mark Tufo is our guest uh, for Hour 2 of the program. Uh, as I've been talking about all week, this is something that I've really looked forward to. Mark is the author of a series of books uh, well, multiple series of books uh, crossing uh, crossing several different genres, uh, including science fiction, uh, you know, uh, uh, post, uh, you know, dystopian, post-apocalyptic uh, fantasy, alternate worlds and realities and everything else. Uh, Mark Tufo joins us this morning to continue our discussion as we uh, as we were talking about uh, earlier. Mark, welcome back to the program. Well, thank you. Um, so let's get started and, and let's talk about, okay, that first part. Now you were in college and you were tasked. So, and I guess it comes in two parts. You were saying you read a book and you were like, this is a good book, but I think I could do better. And your wife's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Put up or shut up. And, uh, and you're like, okay, I will. And you started it and it was zombie fallout, but back let's, let's reel it back into the Wayback machine. You actually wrote a book in college through a creative writing class where they wanted you to journal or do whatever, and you ended up writing this book, um, and uh, and then it ended up in a box somewhere, and you found it. Uh, you found. It. Tell this story. Tell this story because I found this to be very very interesting. Uh, yeah. So I won't recap, but yeah, that was the whole thing. Had the creative writing class. Had to write a story. Oh, actually, journal. You could write about your day or write a story. I decided to write a story. Um, got about, I guess maybe about two thirds through, and then it was into the class. <laughs> so semester's over. I'm not doing the assignment anymore. Um, luckily, I I shoved it in a notebook. Um, and then it ended up in a box that it sat in for years. I mean, talking life events happened. Uh, did the core, got married, had kids, and then one day I'm I'm out in the garage, had to do some work on a car. And I was, I, there was some stupid tool I needed and I, I was convinced it was in that box that was nine feet up in the wall in the garage and I pulled the box down and I'm like, what the heck is this? You know, so I sat down on the steps, I started reading it. I'm like, oh yeah, I remember this. And then I kept reading, I kept reading and got to the end of what I had written and I was like, well, what happens next? 
I didn't finish. So how does it end? Like, wait, wait, don't leave me hanging. What? How does it end? I know. Read us, interrupt us. So I um I decided to uh, finish writing it. That was the first Indian Hill. So, God, that sat for I don't, twenty years before I finished it. And that was the first book. And then you that you actually tried to get that book published, right? You you tried to get that book published. Tell us about that. Tell us about that painful experience. <laughs> that uh, for anybody that's considering writing, you better get a thick skin. We um we we went Tracy and myself went and got books on um agents and publishers and we sent query letters and manuscripts. I I don't even know how many. Every address we could find, they ended up with a copy of that book or a piece of it. And I got from even, from the ones that actually responded, I got stacks of rejections, and it it's um it's a little brutal, but um, that was you know self publishing was just kind of starting up when I finished Indian Hill, and Tracy's like, well, nobody's gonna um pick it up. Let's just self publish. I didn't even know what the heck that meant, to be honest with you. So we we put it up, no professional editing, a crappy stock cover image. And it did how you would expect. <laughs> Great, <laughs> right? It was like one, two copies. You're like, yay, somebody bought it. Um, but that was that, you know, you didn't let that get you down. Uh, and what I found what was interesting, my experience into your world was probably the similar to many people, is that I didn't even know about Indian Hill till much later. I actually started reading your books uh, when you did the zombie fallout series. And, uh, and that's, and quite honestly, I had never read, uh, I'd watched, of course, Walking Dead and all these other shows and things like that, but I had never read an actual zombie apocalypse book. Uh, and I stumbled across it and I was like, wow, this is fantastic because this is, you know, it was the characters, Mark. I think that's what it was. It wasn't just the standard rote you know, post-apocalyptic, uh, you know, dystopian. This guy is an ex-CIA agent Rambo who has every karate move known to man and, you know, gets the beautiful girl and can save everybody and bring civilization back together and everything else. Your main character, Michael Talbot, is kind of like just an everyman. And he he's a self-admitted screw-up, right? I mean, he's like, yeah, I did drugs in college. I was like this. I, You know, I was working on a road crew. Uh, yeah, I was a former Marine, but I, you know, and it was... But it was just it was real. Right. The whole thing was just so real. Um, and you're plucking these characters out. Here's here's one thing about Mark's books that I should should preface all this about is that I think almost every one of the books, um, basically, uh, they're all centered around Michael Talbot, his wife, the people that he knows. And so what you're looking at is really it's a multi we should call it the tufo verse because it's essentially all these different alternate realities where you, you know you see the same characters go through similar events in different ways. And I just find that fascinating to see a character that you can know and love, you can get to know and then see that same character go through different versions of events. Um, whether that's an alien invasion or a zombie apocalypse or getting pulled into an alternate universe or fighting werewolves or whatever it is. Um, what made you do that? Why not create new characters for each one? Why? I mean, what's the reason? Well, like a lot of the major events of my life, it was an accident. Um, 
what happened was, so I written Indian Hill, like we said, way back in college, uh, created the character Michael Talbot. And then, um, then we go back to fast forward to the insomnia and deciding to write zombie fallout. And I was like, well, I know this Mike Talbot dude. I'm just going to write about Mike Talbot. And again, uh, Michael, I had no thoughts that these books would ever sell. I mean, they were more an exercise for myself and to get out of my head. And uh, all of a sudden they started catching on and yeah, like you said, zombie fallout was kind of the gateway book and, and people were eating those up eventually, uh, maybe pun intended. And then they started to find Indian Hill and they're like, wait, I don't, I don't understand. Does, how does the future Mike Talbot not know Mike Talbot from the alien invasion? And I was like, uh Oh, I've got this character that's in two worlds. So I had to create a divergent point, uh, which is a car accident, which is a pretty pivotal scene in a few of the books. And that kind of explained how this path was an alien invasion. This path was a zombie apocalypse. And this path was, you know, Mike in Alaska fighting Yetis. So Right. No, it's it's pretty crazy. I mean, because I don't know. I don't know if I've really seen an author who's done that, taking the same character and plonk them into different basically worlds as it went through. Um, and you see a bit of that. And I think you're doing a little retconning there later on in some of the, uh, in the, some of the zombie fallout books where you show kind of some of that crossover between worlds where he can see some of the, all of a sudden he realizes that he's been fighting, not just in the world that he's in against the undead, but that he's fighting on multiple planes, right? He's fighting aliens in one and he's fighting, you know, foreign invaders in another and he's fighting, you know, yet he's, you know, I mean, all these different things. And that, I just thought that that was just fat. And when you fall in love with a character, you want more. That That's for me anyway, as a book reader. And I'm a voracious reader. And when I find a character, I want more of that character. And this is just the perfect way to, I mean, hell, you could plonk him down, you know, in, uh, you know, some, you know, Robert Jordan fantasy type world and be like, oh, yeah, this is Michael Talbot, you know, doing the thing, uh, you know, some kind of lit RPG thing or something. I mean, it would be it would be amazing to uh, to do that kind of stuff. And you also bring all your other characters. Now, uh, for those of you who haven't read the books, and it may be a lot of you, um, he also includes incorporates. Obviously, your wife, Tracy, is a character in the book. I'm assuming your wife has red hair. Is that is that the case? Yes. Okay. So Mark is writing about a lot of them, but you also incorporate dogs. And I have a dog at my feet right now. You can't see him, but I know that you have uh, Chloe uh, and um, um, I've forgotten. The Holly. Other. Yeah. Holly and Chloe are there. You have Henry, who's a main character of the book, a bulldog. You have all these different dogs. And in fact, you've written actually a series from the dog's perspective, right? The Life of Riley. Uh, and you slip a few of those into some of the different books where there's a there's a chapter or a segment or two from the dog's perspective, which I also found hysterical. I mean, y- you incorporate your whole life into these books, don't you? Uh, you write what you know. Yeah, you exactly. Um, and uh, you have a love of bulldogs. You you tell the story that. Uh, um, of course, bulldogs are the, you know, mascot of the core. Uh, and, uh, but your dad wanted one, never got one. You ended up getting one and you're like a full bulldog guy from now on. Right. Yeah. We actually, um, my, my wife's uncle, uh, he was a top in the Marine Corps, which pretty high up, um, non-com 
And uh, he called out of the blue one day and he said, you know, this lady just brought this dog down to the um, recruit recruiting station and um, they can't keep him. And I was like, I'm on my way. You know, we hadn't even seen this dog. I'd never met him, never heard of him before. And we, I drove down to meet him and uh, we got this beautiful, big old white English bulldog, George. Fantastic, fantastic beast. And uh, God just fell in love with the, um, just fell in love with the breed right from there. And yeah, and now your your recent Holly and Chloe. Um, Holly is deaf, right? Chloe's deaf. Chloe's deaf. Chloe's deaf. And that, yep. and you write it, but you even write about that in the book. Uh, the the perspective of those two dogs and one being deaf and one not. It's it's just it's so it's so interesting and uh, and so much fun. Um, now. I, I'll be honest with you. I have actually never read a written word that you've written, right? Uh, because I discovered about 15 years ago um, that I, I'm a speed reader. And I realized that when I read things for pleasure, for my work, that's great. You know, news stories and everything else to get the gist. But when I'm reading for pleasure, I discovered that I was missing whole chunks of kind of some of these intimate details. And so about 10, 15 years ago, I decided I went to almost all audiobooks. And so that was how I was exposed to your audio book or to your books was through audio. Um, and uh, you didn't think anything about that. You actually got into audiobooks almost by accident, right? Shocker. Shocker. <laughs> Just fell into it. So tell us that story. Uh, so actually, publishing actually, Mark, I apologize. I lo I'm losing track of the time. I'm having too much fun. I lost track of the time. So let me uh, let me take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk about audiobooks and what impact that had on your world. And uh, we'll get back to that here in just a moment. Mark Tufo, our guest. You can find him at MarkTufo.com. He's written uh, United States of Apocalypse, um, the uh, Indian Hill series, Life of Riley. The Clown series, which I have not read because I hate clowns. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna continue to talk more about this in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. Running on one hundred percent pure beard power. Oh, also some coffee we dip our beard in coffee ha <laughs> nice beard the michael duke show okay we're in the break right now mark tufo is our guest uh i hope i'm not jumping around too much here for you mark i'm just i'm loving the loving the discussion on this um i you know i gotta be honest with you and i know that it wasn't necessarily your choice we're going to talk about that here in a second but i love Sean Renette, um, as a, as a voice actor, I've narrated several audiobooks, and there are certain people that I kind of look up to as people who nail it. You know, Mike Kramer, uh, is another one. Mike Kramer from the wheel of time. Um, uh, Sean Renette, Scott Brick, some of these guys just nail it, but Sean Renette has just, he has become Michael Talbot, right? I mean, in most people's minds, he is the voice. I mean, there is just nobody else that could play that character. I've, I've met Sean Renette at like, three or four times now he he personifies my i could not have picked a better person to be michael talbot because he is michael talbot he has no filter he will say whatever he feels he will do whatever he wants he is hilarious 
Yeah, no, and he and he just and I love the separation in his voice and how you can tell. I mean, he's playing BT, this three hundred pound, six foot five black guy that's broader than me, you know, kind of thing. I mean, this guy, and and yet you can tell each and he, the separation of each character and the alien characters and some of the other ones and the, uh, I mean. He really brings those stories to life. And with an audiobook, you need that, right? I mean, uh, no offense to you, but if you tried to read your own audiobook, which some authors have tried to do, by the way, and totally destroyed their series by doing it. I'm looking at you, Harlan Coben. Um, but, you know, you, you know, you've got to have somebody that can just bring that story to life. Yeah, no, nobody wants to hear a Boston accent drone on for 10 hours, man. Nobody. Right. Right. It's uh, it's it's pretty amazing. Um, you're currently what are see zombie fallout's up to what, 19 now? Uh, t- uh, you got 20. 21 just dropped. 21 uh, just dropped. Apparently, I haven't yeah. listened to the whole series yet because I think I left off at 20. So I've got to I've got to go back. But I will say I had put off listening to Indian Hills um, for the longest time. And I actually just listened to the entire series last month. And, um, I was eating it up. I I will, I will say that in some ways I like it better than fallout. Um, I really, really enjoyed that whole thing. I I get that a lot. Like it's hard for me when I read at least the first two thirds of that first one, it, it, Oh, you know, it's just a little cringy because I feel like I, I really didn't know what I was doing. Um, but I feel like by the, Third or fourth book in that series, man, I was hitting my stride and I was running well. Uh, and I had a blast writing that series. It It is. Uh, it's really good. I uh, I would put it up there uh, again, kind of that same. And, and we'll talk about this, but kind of the the attitude, the 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 irreverence, the snarkiness, the, again, that Bostonian kind of uh, sarcasm bug coming through at every at every level. Um, there are so many laugh out loud moments in, in your books where, I mean, I literally, I'll be, have my earbuds in or something and my wife will go, what are you laughing at? I mean, like, uh, (laughs) Michael Talbot, you know, and, uh, and she actually, she's not, she's not a fan of the genre, but she actually listened to the first book with me, uh, going through, I don't know, we were driving somewhere to some long trip or something. And she was like, that was really good. Um, which is high praise from her. She's a, she's very, very set in her taste. And as a former book reviewer, she's like, you know, that's, that's. I like that. That was that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of good. You know, again, it, we're not trying to make Citizen Kane here. We're trying to make entertainment, right? We're trying to make something that is a escapism and and does a good job. And you, yeah, been, it's not high art. Yeah, no, but it's great though. I mean, you know, it's it's just it's fantastic. Um, uh, and I, maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm a simple man. I like you know. Louis Lamour, Dick Francis, you know, some of these guys who are like, well, they're also formulaic. I'm like, yeah, it's a formula that I enjoy. It's a, you know, here's the thing. If it works, you know, if it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of thing, you know. Um, sure. So we're going to get into that. All right. So we're going to talk about audio here. We're about to return. Folks, uh, like and share the show. Like and follow the show page from wherever you're at. You can share it with other folks. Tell folks about Mark. Uh, go out and visit his website. Uh, go out to Audible and pick up a book or two. Um, I actually recommend now, I recommend starting with Indian Hill. I really think that that is a fun, fun book. Uh, we're also going to talk about some of his, um, uh, some of his team ups with some other authors as well. We're going to continue this in just a moment. The Michael Duke show, common sense, Liberty based free thinking radio. Let's go. 
The Michael Duke Show. Not your daddy. Wait, sorry. Not your daddy? Ooh, not your daddy's talk radio. <laughs> Whew. I was scared for a second. Thought we were going down. Here's Michael Dukes and the show. That's right. Not your daddy's talk radio. Although my daddy is in the chat room. I did see him earlier. Hey, dad. How you doing? Dukes. Uh, yeah. Uh, Mark Tufo is our guest. And uh, you'll just have to forgive me. I'm fanboying a little bit today, just enjoying a little conversation uh, with uh, with one of my favorite authors. Uh, his series of books, whether it's the Indian Hill books uh, or the Whistler series or uh, the uh, uh, Life of Riley, uh, Fallout, Zombie Fallout, Lycan Fallout, United States of Apocalypse. I mean, just at one point I heard you say you were working on something like five or six different series. You were writing books for those ser- all at the same time. Is that is that? the truth yeah i was doing an interview uh, like this and they asked what i was working on at the time and and i started thinking it was the first time i'd actually sat and thought about it now it it kind of froze in my head I, I got terrified realizing i had five active series going so i actually started to wrap some of them up you know because <laughs> Just- i I mean, th- th- I was like, this is insane. You, I can't be doing this. You kind of scared yourself, right? I mean, at that point, it, yeah. kind of a little self-realization right then. Now, uh, I know at the beginning you were you had no thoughts on your mind about um, the audiobook space, that you were a print guy, you were doing your self-publishing, e-books, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, but then you kind of stumbled into audiobooks. And tell us that story and how how it's affected you now. Um, so I, did I get an email or a call? I think it was an email, but, uh, Tantor, which is a, uh, audio publishing house reached out and they were like, Hey, we'd like to buy the rights to uh zombie fallout uh, for audio purposes. And I'm like, really, you want to offer me money for audiobooks to do? Cause I, I remember my mom sitting at the kitchen table with books on tape and with that crappy little tape machine, you know, sounded like somebody was talking in a tin can kind of crap. And I, um, I was like, you know, they gave me a pittance, <laughs> you know, uh, but I was like, this is free money. Sure. Take them. I don't care. Right. And then a, f- a few weeks later, they're like, uh, we found a narrator. We think you'll like him. His name's Sean Runette. And again, I was like, I don't care. I, yay. Yay. Sean Runette. Um, <laughs> you know, who knew? And then um, I don't know what magic Tantor pulled but all of a sudden those books were like before audiobooks uh, if i sold 100 books i don't even know I sold 100 but it was probably 98 ebooks and two physical copies and then once um audiobooks caught on man it's if right now it's probably 90 audiobooks nine ebooks and one hardcover i mean it just changed the whole trajectory of my career. Right. Did. Yeah. And as I was saying during the break, I was talking about Sean Runette, who is one of my favorite narrators. I've uh, tried to listen to almost everything that he's narrated because he is he's an amazing he's an amazing performer. Uh, but he has, I think, in many people's minds, essentially just become the character of Michael Talbot uh, across all of these different books and all of these different genres. He is he I mean, that was serendipitous i mean you you said i think you said in one interview you didn't even actually listen to the sample that they sent you when they said we got this guy sean renette you should listen to this it's and you were like that's great go ahead did you even listen to the sample 
No, I just honestly, I was like, nobody listens to audiobooks. <laughs> what difference does it make? <laughs> you know, boy, you you won the lottery with that one, my friend. Uh, no lie. Yeah, no lie. And of course, that's been a huge thing these days. I mean, people are. Um, I pre-ordered the last. 19 and 20, I think I pre-ordered both of them on Audible before they came out. Um, I haven't gone back. I have to go back and get 21 right now uh, to to get the latest one for the zombie Fallout series. But uh, audiobooks have made such an impact on the market in so many ways. I mean, if you're talking to an aspiring author out there, shouldn't this be one of the things that they're going for, like right out of the gate? Uh, without doubt, I one of my bu- good buddies, one of my writing buddies, uh, Sean Chesser, uh, has a series out there. And myself and John O'Brien, um, who co-authored A Shrouded World, we, we were talking with him. and He was super hesitant about doing audio. And we're like, Sean, if it doesn't work out, John and I will pay for the narrator. Just do it. Just do it. You know, and, and, and now he, same thing. He can't thank us enough for kind of pushing him into the audio world. Now, audiobooks have become such a big thing. Audiobooks, podcasts, the whole audio scene has become such a huge component of daily life these days um, that people are just, uh, you know, they're, they're eating it up. Again, I haven't picked up a print book um, in years, really. Um, and I have cases of books in store. I mean, again, I'm an avid reader. And when we moved down here, there was 47 cases of books that we moved down here. Probably 35 of them are still in my storage unit because I haven't looked at them in years. You know, it's just because that audiobook for me is so easy. You know, make it, I make a one hour drive uh, to, to go into town here. And so, you know, two hours on the road, that's an easy thing. Working around the house, tinkering, doing whatever. Uh, audiobooks have become such a thing. And that's why I think it's so important to make sure you have a great narrator. And I'm just so shocked that you, again, fell into the lottery on that and got that done. It's 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 pretty amazing. Now, you just mentioned John O'Brien, the Whistlers, shouted, I, I called it Whistlers. It's a Shrouded World series. Um, but uh, t- tell me about the team-ups, because you teamed up with John for that one. Um, Arturo, I think, is the uh, United State of, States of Apocalypse. Was that the, uh, that was the, who's the author on that? Armand, Rosamilia. Yeah, Rosamilia. Um, so you've done a few of these team ups, uh, team ups over the years. Uh, talk to me about that. What I mean, how do you choose somebody to write with, a writing partner? Um, the Whistler seems to be a little more comprehensive, where the uh, the Arturo one or the uh, Amelia one uh, is like you do one chapter, he does another chapter. It's a little more you know piecemeal. But what what is the you know what's the decision making process on working with other authors in that respect? Because, I mean, I imagine that's got, as a creative, I imagine sometimes that's got to be kind of hard. Yeah, I, I'm actually right now on an extended break from any further collaborations. They're, they're just, it's in theory, it sounds easy. Oh, I only have to write half a book and we put a book out kind of thing. Um, but there's so much more involved because obviously, you know, you have to deal with another creative and we're pain in the asses, uh, no doubt about it. But, um, you know, John and I, kind of hit the scene at the same time and we're in the same like Facebook groups and I've talked to him a bunch. I was like, oh, this guy is pretty funny. And then we met out in uh, Portland, Oregon for a convention and God, we just laughed our asses off. I was like, hey, we should write a book together. And of course, this was in a drunken stupor. And then um, so it actually it took a while 
to finally come around and to decide we were going to write. And he actually flew out to Maine. And, you know, the bad thing about two authors together is we can do pretty good damage to a lot of booze. And uh, <laughs> our, our intention had been that weekend to sit down and write. Well, we sat down and attempted to write after a very thorough night looking at <laughs> bottles. And uh, it did not go well. Right. Um, so then we kept it up and then we decided, okay, let's, let's do this. You know, I'll write a part and then you kind of riff off of it and we'll go back and forth. And that was pretty much how the first book went. We got a little more structured as we went along, but yeah, that, that, that was the genesis of that book. Series. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting again to see, especially with the different styles of writing, it's definitely interesting to see those kind of things come together. Um, I have not finished a shrouded world. Uh, I did finish the United States of apocalypse and I'm waiting to see if that's going to continue. Uh, cause that was a, again, a fascinating, no, it's not going to continue. It's too bad. Cause that was a fascinating idea. And I really like that kind of red dawn aspect of the whole, uh, you know, fighting back against an invading force. But um, it's good. It's good that, uh, uh, you know, to see a different perspective on those things and uh, and everything else. Um, zombie Fallout, obviously the big one. You wrapped up Lycan Fallout, which is in the same universe, but kind of in a time stream difference. Um, are you going to continue? Because the word was is that maybe the children were going to be part of something. What uh, Can you give me some teasers out there, things you won't tell anybody else, just you, me, and... 5,000 of our closest friends here. I have just two seconds. I got to go off screen because we got a little stupid Roomba. It's about to come in here. I just want to shut my office. <laughs> he's going to shut his, he's got to shut his Roomba off, you know, because <clears throat> nobody, nobody needs All that. Right, I'm back. Nobody sorry, needs that. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, no problem. Uh, so actually, um, like in Fallout 6, Resurgence just came out uh, a couple months ago. I see I'm behind the power curve on that. I've been, I've been busy. I've been, I was in the middle of Indian Hill a couple months ago, you know, getting everything. I, I won't hold it against you. Yeah, man. That's right. There's no quiz. Yeah. Getting everything. Uh, how would you describe your series to folks who, um, you know, who haven't listened to it, who don't know about it, who might be, you know, give me the elevator pitch. If you're, you know, talking to somebody about uh, the books, uh, you know, what would you say to them and where would you recommend they start? I guess if they want to, if they want to kind of glean into the the life of Michael Talbot. Oh God. Elevator pitches equate to like blurbs for me. I, I, I hate them. I hate them. I don't know <laughs> how anyone takes an entire book and shoves it into a paragraph and says, Hey, read this book because this is what happens well you um, got you got four minutes okay four and a half minutes so it doesn't have to be a blurb but you know give me the give me the rundown here all right um i'll start why i kind of wrote it uh yeah so we've all read the um the zombie books where you know the, like you said the guy is rambo he has machine guns mounted onto his giant ford f950 he has every weapon known to man. He knows every hand-to-hand -hand combat. I was like, don't get me wrong. I enjoy those. I read a bunch of them. But I was like, I'm going to do it a little differently. So we got Mike Talbot, who's um, very family and friend-oriented. Uh, he just And he's trying to keep them safe during a zombie apocalypse. And, you know, he, he is the everyman. He, he's got his foibles, warts and all. Um, certainly not a perfect person but you know he does what he thinks is right <laughs> whether it's right or not 
And I would I would say that's a great synopsis of that character. And, and that's what really because I've read a lot of the, <clears throat> you know, I mean, Jesus, like reading Mac Bolin right all over again or something like that. The guy is the perfect, you know, the perfect ex, you know, whatever, SAS, Marine, uh, CIA, spook, sniper, you know, super warrior or whatever. And those are great. But, you know, this was so relatable. What I loved about uh, the, your characters is that they care that family was everything. Right. Family was the core of the stories, as you said, is Mike keeping his family safe, no matter what the setting is, whether it was, you know, uh, invasion of America or alien invasion or zombies or whatever. It was always about keeping the family and your friends and the friends that you created along the way um, safe and and making it better for them. And you go about creating some of the best characters, uh, I think, uh, that I've seen in a long time the depth of the characters and are all of them built out of people who are kind of an amalgam of people around you, or are they just kind of all out of your head? I mean, do you have a BT in your life? I mean, is it, you know, that's, you know, what kind of questions do you have? I wish I had a BT. Yeah. That'd be awesome. (laughs) Just hanging Um, around, giving you stuff, giving you crap all day long. BT, get him, man. Guys, giving me crap. Um, No, I mean, you know, like folks like Trip, they're they're an amalgamation of people I have met throughout my life. Uh, so they're bits and pieces from folks that I have encountered, but uh, most of them would not be a direct one-on-one correlation. Do you do you have a do you have a method to your uh, to your character creation where you you look at them? Do you create a backstory? Is there a a stricture to your writing or a structure that you you line out, or is it? <laughs> Is you just kind of are you just kind of pulling it right out of the heart? Oh God, I wish you know. There's people that like, geez, I'd love to see your uh, your wall where you have like where this connects to this and this connects to this and this person started from here. And I'm like, I'd love to see that too because it doesn't exist, kind of thing, you know. So yeah, it's just more pulled from the ether. Mark Tufo is our guest. We're up against the final break. We're going to have one more segment with him where he and I are just going to, I mean, I'm going to let him have free reign here on whatever he wants to talk about, about his books, about his experiences and more. We're going to continue with him here in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Don't forget, tomorrow is Firearms Friday. We're going to talk about guns, gun laws. Dr. John Lott is going to be joining us, author of the books More Guns, Less Crime. And uh, we should have some interesting commentary on the latest Supreme Court case that's going on right now. That's all coming up tomorrow. Meanwhile, we'll return with Mark Tufo in just a moment. We're broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these uh, entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the Internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Mark Tufo is our guest uh, here on the uh, Michael Duke Show, uh, getting ready to uh, go on here. Have to get a book. Uh, have to have to get a book. Chris says, have to get a book zombie apocalypse for Christmas gifts. You, you should just go out there. I don't know, Mark. Have you done any of the, not anthologies, but what do they call them? Book bundles on... Um, <clears throat> On uh, Audible, where you bundle together some of the books to do as a single credit kind of thing, have you have you guys ever done that? I do not have the ability to do that. Oh, okay. Uh, Audible Audible owns the rights, and they price them as they see fit. 
There's been several. That's been a good way to get in for me. I've got into several authors. J.S. Morin is one with his Galaxy Outlaws series. <coughs> well, that snuck up on me. With his Galaxy Outlaw series where they bundled, I don't know, eight, nine, ten books or something together uh, out of the series. And I was able to buy them with one credit. But you can find all of his books over on Audible. And uh, now, Yeah, now with that in mind, I believe the first six of the Zombie Fallout series are free. Oh, really? Okay. Well, I mean, I think. Well, I mean, I'll just, how about I just, since we're live and it's just you and me hanging out in the commercial break here, let me just go over here and say Mark Tufo and see what it says uh, in the, uh, in good old Audible land right now uh, as we go through. Um, And again, I have to catch up. Um, Let's see. Zombie Fallout, book 21, add to cart. I just did. Okay. Buy with one credit. Just did. Thank you. Um, Zombie Fallout uh, 1. Yeah, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. Yeah, the first six, actually, and the prequel, Zombie Fallout 0, which is a little novel uh, novella, it, they're all available on uh, Amazon right now for free. So let me post this link up. Let me, let me post this link up in the chat room. Um, so, ooh, that's a big mess of text there, but... All right, so people can check that out if you want to go check it out over on Audible right now if you've got an Audible uh, thing. Uh, definitely, um, yeah, that's that's fantastic. Uh, I will tell you, Mark, though, that after reading all, after listening to all this, and again, I haven't finished The Shrouded World, um, you also have done a fantasy series, which I have not even started on. You said two or three books now. You started one. Is that correct? Uh, I have started a fantasy book. I haven't finished it. Okay. All right. I'm sorry. I, I'm doing a, a lot of reading on that. Um, but I would say I would, I really enjoyed, I, and I know it was your first one and the first was lore, but Indian Hill is a great entry into that. Um, and then, be, especially because there's a lot of callbacks in <clears throat> zombie fallout to the invasion uh, that Michael Talbot suffers in the Indian Hill series. And I mean, I got it. It wasn't like I had to know what was what happening because you alluded to it enough. But I think that's also a great start as well. What was your favorite series of all the ones that you had there? Which was your favorite one to actually put pen to paper? I mean, I know obviously Zombie Fallout is the largest, but is that uh, is that where your heart lies, or are you moving in other directions? Or if it wouldn't, if okay, the book I am probably the most proud of that nobody's heard of. <laughs> that is not a series. Would be the spirit clearing. The spirit clearing. Uh, okay. Yeah, that was a one and done. Um, but you know, the the series themselves, each one has a, a special place. You know, Indian Hill was, you know, my first foray. Um, and I just love it. And, you know, obviously zombie fallout has changed my life. Uh, you know, the book O'Reilly was about a, a dog I loved, still love, but um, so each series definitely has a, a piece. Of my heart for sure and uh you have written the one I, as i said earlier i am not uh i have not done the uh the timothy series which is about a killer clown <laughs> killer you clown. should if, if you think um sean runette is good you should hear him narrate tim it is it's next level it's next level uh tell me about the distance uh, uh series uh i had been reading a bunch of dystopian um 
So that's my foray into this dystopian world, like the Hunger Games, and uh, I could rattle off about five or six sure, others. Sure. Like, not at the moment because my, you know, it's early and I haven't caffeinated completely, but definitely a lot of dystopian. And I, I wanted to write, I wanted to dip my toe into the dystopian world. So I started the Distance series, which we come to find out is almost an extension of the Indian Hill series. Or it, or it is, not almost. Okay, good. Well, that's good. I I have not read that one yet either. So I'm excited about this because now I'm going to dive into some things and get back into some of your works and, and things like that, uh, that, uh, that you know, I, I miss it. I, I do. I miss it. I literally last, I guess it was last spring, I started from Zombie Fallout again. I started from zero and I went all the way through with every book that was released up until that point, which I think was 20. And I was like, man, that's so good. And that's what made me jump over to Indian Hill because I'm like, I need, I need, I need a little bit more. And I finally jumped in and that was just, it was perfect. All right. So we're just going to riff, Mark. Uh, no, no pressure here. Little coffee clatch here in the last 10 minutes of the program and we'll be ready to go. Folks, like and share, like and follow. Let's do it. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free thinking radio. Oh, here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Seriously humorous with a pinch of intellect. <laughs> pinch of intellect. Sorry. That is humorous. Here's Michael Dukes. I mean, I got big hands, so that pinch is, you know, it is it is what it is. All right, we're <laughs> continuing now. Final segment uh, with Mark Tufo, uh, author of a whole slew of books. You can find him at marktufo.com. We were just discussing it during the break. If you have had your interest peaked at all, Turns out that the first six books of the zombie fall, actually seven, because it includes zero, the first seven books uh, of the zombie fallout series um, are available right now for free at Amazon. Uh, excuse me, at Audible, which is owned by Amazon. Uh, so go on over there. If you have any interest, uh, just give it a listen. Start it. Uh, start it. Uh, start at the beginning and and see what you think. You'll be like me. You'll end up buying them all in the long run because it's a it's a lot of fun i burned a lot of credits on mark tufo over the last 10 years uh every one of them worth it i will say it right now uh mark we were talking about some of your lesser known series you said distance is one there was kind of your foray into the dystopian future but that connects to indian hills you've got the michael talbot adventures You've got the Book of Riley, Timothy, the ones about the killer clowns. I mean, you're just kind of all over the place, but they all kind of connect together in one way or another. Uh, what are you working on? You know, what are you working on next? Well, technically, I'm on vacation, so I'm not working on anything. But, uh, I've, man, I've, I've started the fantasy series. I, I, God, I started that fantasy series like five years ago. I wish... I'm, I'm pulling a uh, George R. R. Martin here. Um, I'd like to finish that one off soon. Um, I'm probably going to go back to the Lycan Fallout series um, and, and write another book there in, you know, that's in the kids' perspective. Oh, God, you know, a bunch of stuff in my head for sure. It's just a matter of uh, allotting the time to write them. Hey, let me just encourage you to just let it all out, brother. Just let it all out. I, I just, I can't wait. Uh, Indian Hill, like I said, was the recent one that I just finished. And uh, you didn't leave me hanging, which I appreciate. Um, but is that, uh, 
you know, don't leave me hanging. Um, is that going anywhere? I mean, there was a little bit of a tease at the very end, you know, call up, Mike. You know, uh, what's, uh, I, I, um, I, I grew up in the day of the television serial, which always left like, <laughs> you know, the car going over the cliff, right. And for whatever reason, I've decided to write like that. And I know some people are like, dude, what are you doing? Finish it. Don't leave me hanging. You know, because it's not like the next book's going to be out next week. But um, so Indian Hills 7, I really feel like I stuck that landing. You know, like I really feel like I concluded that book. And I would hate to open the story back up and not recreate what I feel like was magic. You know, so. Well, that would be the biggest impediment for me. Yeah. I mean, there's a tease at the end, a little bit of a tease. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a little, but it's, if you left it there. Okay. You know, and I understand your, I understand your trepidation of be like, oh, I'm just going to crank out another one. But again, zombie followed. Didn't you say first, you thought that was just going to be one. And then you thought it was going to be three. And then you thought it was going to be six. And here you are at 21. I mean, you almost, you have one, you know, not almost, I don't know why I'm using that word. Uh, You have to thank Tracy for that because I was literally going to off Michael Talbot at the end of book one. It was going to be an all doom and gloom. (laughs) Mike was going to bite it. Uh, End of story, you know? Um, And I'm, if that's the case, I'm probably still in Colorado in a cube somewhere. Right. That's the thing. And can you imagine that? You, Mark Tufo, going back to the cube farm again to uh, to say, hi, Janice, how are you today? <laughs> Oof. No, I cannot. All right. So uh, so working on the next one, um, you know, pulling stories out. Um, any ideas, any story nuggets for new stories, new, new alternate realities for Michael Talbot to explore? Uh, you know, I don't know if you've read any of the Devil's Desk, which take place in your fair state. Um, I, yeah, I have not read that yet. But I am, in, I, you know, I was that was only going to be a one and done. I mean, you know, again, shocker, you know, Tufo can't finish a series. Uh, so I just, book two just came out recently, and I'm really having a lot of fun with that one. Um, I actually have a projects folder full of stories in various states of completion so yeah i got a thriller i want to do uh you know i've got a detective book you know um, historical romance no i don't know <laughs> oh i could i could see you writing the hell out of that one that's for sure <laughs> that would be uh that would be amazing well you know as an author you're going to have to come up here to do some research. And while you're here, we're just going to have to show you around town and show you all the great stuff. So make sure. I, I want to, I've been to 47 States. Alaska is not one of them and I need to get there. Yeah. Well, I will, uh, you bring Tracy up here and I'll get Terry and we'll go out and we will trip the lights. Fandango. We will have an amazing time. Um, and uh, it's, it's just, it, it'll be fantastic. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Um, all right. So we're down to the last uh, six minutes or so here, Mark. Um, you know, any, again, just final thoughts for people out there. Here's oh, here's the other thing that I appreciate. And I meant to mention this earlier, and then I'll give you the floor. But I can read between the lines kind of in where you are. You know, I'm a libertarian, right? So you, you see a lot of authors who go hard and heavy on the over heavy handed politics and things like that. And that's one thing that you just don't 
you really don't do. I mean, I could tell kind of where your leanings are and I could tell kind of where you're at, but it's not something that you force down people's throats. Um, and you said something on an interview, something about, well, I don't want to go one way or the other because there's reasons for that. It, tell me, tell me about that real quick. Um, you know, I've, I've got author friends on both ends of the spectrum, uh, and they will gladly give you their insights and opinions and everything. I just, we're so bombarded every day with that crap. Who you're reading a book to escape. Why do you want to get thrust back into the, it, it, you know, the craptastic stuff where we're hit with, um, and that's that's just how I feel. I don't, you know, I I love Stephen King. I've loved him since I could read the written word. But I don't know why he you're reading this fantastic book and then just a throwaway line he will stick in the middle of it. You're like, dude, why? Right. Why, why did you feel the need to do that? Yeah. I, and I don't want to do that. Yeah. I mean, I got ripped ripped out of the story to now be angry. You know, I'm I'm not going to do that. Whether you're left leaning, right leaning. Right. I don't care. You because, do you. Because yeah, if you engage in that, in one way or another, you've now alienated half your audience. One way or another. And I don't understand that either. We're, yeah. we're in the business of selling. You know, why am I going to tell half of you to kiss my butt? I'm not going to. Exactly. You know? No, it's it's frustrating. We just watched Fall of the House of Usher on Netflix, which was a fantastic series. Except at the last end of the last episode, there's a four minute diatribe that kind of just I just went, you guys just ruined this whole thing for me. You just the Ugh. whole thing, you know, it's just, I mean, it ends well and I enjoyed it, but it just so, it was not even necessary. Why do you do that? Just, you know, but everybody's got to make their mark. All right, uh, Mark, uh, last uh, couple, three minutes here. I give you the floor. Anything we didn't touch on, anything that you want to tell people, you know, whatever this is, this this is yours, my friend. Well, that was probably a mistake on your part. But uh, <laughs> remember, we're still on radio, okay? <laughs> uh, you know, if you ever have any questions uh, about the series or anything, probably don't ask me. Go on the fan page; they know the books better than I do. Um, but I am pretty fairly accessible, as you can attest. Uh, if if you do reach out, whether it be on Facebook or email, I try to reply within twenty four hours. I can't guarantee that, but um, I'm definitely out there, out and about. You know, I do not have a team of folks that are, are doing my social media. I wish I did. That would be awesome because I do spend, I think, too much time on uh, the social media aspect of it. But again, you know, uh, without social media, I do not exist because nobody in their right mind wanted to publish my works way back in the day. So that's what's going on. That's what's going on. I can't wait now. And, and I'm excited now because I knew that I had to pick up some of the ancillary series, you know, the Mike Talbot uh, adventures and some of the other ones distance. I knew I had to pick those up because I hadn't read those yet. Um, but uh, to know now that there's a zombie fallout book and some other ones, I'm it's, it's exciting. I'm really, um, I'm really excited to, uh, to, to get back into it. And it's been just such a pleasure to talk with you, Mark Tufo, again, author of, a whole bunch of series, uh, and I just went through them here a second ago, uh, the Indian Hill series, the Zombie Fallout series, Timothy series, the Book of Riley, the Michael Talbot Adventures, uh, Lycan Fallout, Shrouded World, Distance, United States of Apocalypse, and another uh, combination that he did with David Moody called Bleed, Chris Philbrook and David Moody. Um, he's got, I mean, you write, what did you say, four books a year, something like that, three, four books a year? I mean, you're pretty prolific. Yeah, that's what I'm shooting for, three to four. That's good. It's great stuff. 
All right, folks. Well, we are out of time. Mark, I'll ask you to hold on just for one second. Don't uh, don't jump away yet. I know you've been with us for a while. Tomorrow on the program, it's going to be, of course, as always, Firearms Friday, your one day a week where we focus on issues surrounding the Second Amendment, gun rights, gun laws, and more. We're working on it. I believe right now we've got to confirm that Dr. John Lott will be joining us, commentator, uh, president of the Crime Prevention Research Center, author of the book, More Guns, Less Crime. He's going to come in and talk with us, probably going to talk about the SCOTUS, the new Supreme Court case that's going on right now, um, and uh, the effects of Bruin and more. It's going to be an interesting show. And, of course, your phone calls. And Willie Waffle for our entertainment review. Why not? It's going to be a full day tomorrow. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Remember, be kind, love one another, live well. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Have a great day. Tawny in the chat room says, The Book of Riley sounds interesting. Uh, I haven't read that one yet, but every time Mike has included the perspective of the dogs, or Mark has included the, the perspectives of the dogs in the books, it's always interesting to see how they perceive the humans that are around them and everything that's going on. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to see what the life of Riley, uh, Book of Riley, is uh, is all about uh, as well. Mark, um, you know, you're always welcome on the program, my friend. Uh, I, If you got a new project or something going on or you just want to kibitz, I am, I'm here. If you need help, uh, you know, with uh, reading or, uh, you know, readers or social media or something like that, Reach out to me, man. I would love to help you in, in any way I can. Um, I love that kind of stuff. And it's, uh, it's, it's, you have given me more laughs and more uh, good times and more escapism than uh, probably, you're definitely in my top five authors of all time, uh, quite honestly. Uh, I just, if I feel like I need to escape, I can just pick up any one of your books and play. it doesn't matter how many times I've listened to it. It's a, it's a good, it's a good read or a good listen in this case. So thank you, man. I, I appreciate that. That that's uh, no. gonna make me blush. Hey, well, it's okay. It's that's what I'm here to do. You're gonna blush like a girl. That's what that's my whole job. My job is complete now. Uh, yeah. But yeah, you got my you got my you got my message or whatever my messenger. So just hit me with anything you need. I'm happy to help. And like I said, if you get something new, something you want to throw out there, um, you know, we got a small audience here in Alaska, and we but we'd love to have. And if you do end up coming up here to you know do more. Um, it would be, it would be great. Oh, Donna, that was very sweet. Donna just said that Michael should read one of Mark's books for Audible. I could not, I mean, Sean Renette is again, one of my personal heroes. That guy is the characters that Mark's right, that Mark writes. I've got, I've got other audiobooks that I'm working on, so that'll be fine. But, uh, you gotta, if you haven't heard Sean Renette, that guy does some amazing, amazing work. So you, you've got a great, uh, narrating voice, great timber. Oh, well, I appreciate that. Yeah, no, I've done a few books. Um, books are very time-consuming, though. I'll be honest with you. I do commercial voice work, mostly. Uh, so, you know, radio, television, internet, commercials, voiceover, stuff like that. I've done some books, but they are super time-consuming. Uh, and so, because I do all the, I do edit. I don't just read them. I edit them and read them and do everything else. So, uh, you know, maybe one day when I get semi-retired, I can jump more into audiobooks when I have the time. But uh um, I, in the meanwhile, I'll just be sucking up all the Mark Tufo, Sean Renette books and, uh, and, and everything else. So Mark, 
Thanks so much. Go Bruins, says Brian. Go Bruins. Yeah. Uh, nice. Yeah, that's right. That's what that's what Mark likes to see. Anyway, Mark, I'm serious. If you really, if you need anything or help, if I can help you with anything, um, just reach out to me. Let me know, my friend. I appreciate it, Michael. Thank you for having me on, man. You bet. You bet. And I do look forward to you coming up here. You make sure if you come up here and don't say hi to me or don't uh, don't reach out to me, let me take you to dinner. We're going to have a we're going to going to I'm going to send BT to your house. So oh, yeah. You said the magic words. I saw free food, free so. food, free food, and even some beer and even some beer for sure. All right, Mark. Well, thank you so much, my friend. Good to talk to you. And we'll talk to you again Peace. soon. All right. Thanks so much. All right, folks, that does it for today. Um, ah, I was looking forward to that for so, so long, just a chance to kind of hang out in kibitz and such a good, such a good time. Uh, thanks for, uh, thanks for indulging me. We will see you guys tomorrow here on the program and uh, just enjoy again be kind love one another live well we'll see you tomorrow have a great day shed our terrestrial radio skin and now we are slimy lizard internet people it's the michael duke show